It's just amazing how good God is to us that he'd allow me to keep me from getting in bad trouble. We're singing about how good God is, and I'm just thinking about it. I can lay in my bed at night, the fan blowing on me, you know, just the comforts of home, peaceful surroundings. You think about all the garbage going on out there in the world, and I just kind of like I'm in a little eye of the hurricane. God's blessing just been good on me. Where I work, where I live, where I go to church. I mean, I've been God. I've been blessed. I mean, you turn on WHIO or anything like that around here. I get updates on my phone, and there's killings, there's murders, there's trouble, there's shootings, there's stabbings, there's strife, and I just seem to get to go around all that stuff. Amen. Ain't that good? I mean, that's just the goodness of God. I mean, it ain't nothing special. It's just that I've committed my trust to Him, and He's kept me safe, keeping me out of trouble. I, I just thank God for it. I mean, I, I really do. I mean, you got the brains of a fool. You need somebody <laughs> can look out for you and help you. Amen. Amen. Colossians chapter number 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, I am. Seek those things which are above. Amen. He wants our attention. Does he have it? You know, that's what old-time preaching is, is to get people's attention. That's what a soul winner is when he knocks on a door. He sows a thought, maybe uses a sword, sticks a guy a little bit. I mean, I'm not talk, talk, talking about being ugly, but you stick somebody with a sword when you witness, you get somebody's attention. You leave a seed, you leave the door open, hopefully. What are you doing? You're just trying to get their attention on off of this world and get them to look up toward God and see their need. And usually when people's in trouble, they don't want to hear it, even at that point. Can I show you one of the most marvelous things that, I mean, I'm not talking about marvelous as far as uh, outstanding. It's just where I marvel. Amen. Revelation chapter number 9. In one hand, Revelation 16 and another. Revelation 9, Revelation 16. I mean, you, you want to talk about having somebody in awe. I just... Revelation talks about the bottomless pit being opened up and these scorpions coming down and stinging them. Verse 5, and to whom it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And the torment was the torment of the scorpion when he striketh the man. In those days men shall seek death and shall not find it, shall desire to die and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were like on the horses prepared on the battle. And on their heads were as it were crowns like gold, and their faces were as faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions, and they had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was the sound of chariots. Many horses running to battle, and they had tails like scorpions, and they were stings in their tails. And their power was to hurt men five months. They had a king over them, which is the king of the bottomless pit. Amen. Whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, and in the Greek tongue his name is Apollo. And one low is passed, and behold, two more woes come hereafter. And then uh, he says, The sixth angel sounded, and I heard a, vo uh, a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying the sixth angel, which had a trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. For the four angels were loose, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay what? Third part of men, 
and the number of the army of the horses were 200,000 thousand and I heard the number of them and thus I saw the horses in division amen now there's a difference between 17 and verse 7 one says like on the horses and verse 17 says I saw the horses one's horses and one's like on the horses there's a difference amen in division and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire adjacent and brimstone and the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone amen and, and by these three was the third part of men killed by fire and by smoke and by brimstone was issued out of their mouths and their power is in their mouth and in their tails for their tails were like serpents and their heads and had heads and with their with them do they hurt and the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet what repented not of the works of their hands that they should not worship devils amen and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood which neither can see nor hear nor walk neither repented they of their murders nor their sorceries nor their fornication nor their thefts revelation 16 Verse 8, the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat. Here comes global warming. Amen. Al Gore being his heyday. Which had power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. You see that? And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain, and blasphemed the God of heaven because their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds you know what God's bringing it on them and putting it on them and men's hearts are so cold and so callous that no matter what God's doing to them they hate him so bad they hate his son they will not repent I marvel at that I marvel that somebody can have everything literally crumble around them amen and they can see their need for God but in their pride they will not humble themselves like Pharaoh they just won't turn they just won't yield they just won't let go I've told you before that the way they catch monkeys is they take a coconut with a chain on it they put a hole in it and they put a piece of candy in there and that little monkey will reach his hand down in there and he'll grab that piece of candy and that hole's big enough that when he makes a fist he can't get his hand out of that coconut but if he let go of the candy he'd slide his fingers out but he won't let go of that and they catch it and then they cut him cut him up while he's alive they zip open his head and then they eat his brains while he's alive that's a delicacy but that's how they catch the monkeys how he just won't let go of that little goody that little thing that's sweet and he'll sit there he'll throw fit he won't let thing that, that thing go even though he don't he don't know it's for his life right just like proverbs amen as a as a bird goes to the amen as an ox to the slaughter a bird hastens to the snare so that man, void of understanding, goes into that adulterous woman. Amen. When it's a dart striking through his liver. Listen, people are bent on sin. They're going to go to sin. Amen. They don't heed all the stop signs, warning signs. Amen. And they just go headlong straight into hell, 100 mile an hour, and ain't looking back. And they don't care what they're doing wrong. They don't. It don't phase them. All they know is they're satisfying their flesh, and that's all they care about. You know what? That, that marvels me. We're living in a society today... I mean, I've heard preachers preaching and things and what they're saying out there. And they said, son, the things that we're facing today, who would have ever dreamed? I mean, we're living in a cold, callous, wicked, 
vile. Listen, they're capping people in the head and they're being entertained by murder so much they don't care if they shoot people and watch them bleed to death on the streets. They don't care. Amen. I'm talking about vileness. Every day in the news, it's getting viler and viler, worse and worse. Amen. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Listen, that's where we're at. I marvel that men, no matter how bad they got it, will not repent. I'm amazed. I'm amazed. Amen. What they say in Proverbs 23 after he gets drunk, amen, and he gets the bed spins and chunks up all, everything he put in his stomach that night, what's it, what's it say? He says, he'll seek it yet again. Right? As a dog, return it to his vomit. I can't imagine nothing more gross than going back and eating vomit. But that's what a dog does. A dog will puke it up and lap it right up. He'll clean the floor for you. I mean, there's something ain't right about that. You understand me? But that's the way sinner is to his sin. They just, it don't make sense to us. But they'll go right back, they'll lap it all up. I just, they, they come out of filth. I mean, the filth that we've seen, I mean, we've seen some videos in them hoarder shows and all that. The filth that some people live in, unbelievable. You'd say there's no way they'd live in it. I'm telling you, it is filth upon filth upon filth. I mean, when people got to come in with hazmat suits on and they got to wear masks because they're breathing in all that dung and all them fumes from all them dead animals and all that feces and everything that's in there. And I mean, you got all these people. I mean, you got people after person after person after person in suits, amen, with gas mask on and everything else trying to deal with them, trying to help these cats with the mucus in their eyes and, and fur falling off of them and mange. And, I, mean, I mean, it's just, I mean, you talk about nasty. I'd rather sleep in an outhouse. It'd be cleaner and fresher probably. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, I'm talking, there's people that, li I mean, we watched a woman eating moldy, rotted food. She opened up the refrigerator, pulled out. She just eating. I mean, they said nothing wrong with that. I mean, roaches, rats dead animals, filth, unbelievable, Unbe and people living in that, they don't think there's nothing wrong with it. and they're trying to do, to give them mental health treatments and everything else and take them and get them to have counseling and stuff to let them see, don't you see there's something wrong with that, they don't think there's nothing wrong with it, they, they think that's a normal way to live, and kids grow up in that, there's kids that's lived in houses like that, that that filth is so bad that they've slept on filth and trash that they got to climb over trash, they don't even have a path. They got to climb over trash. And people climbing through trash and everything to get through their house is unbelievable. I mean, climbing. I mean, there's people. There's a guy here in Dayton. They showed in Dayton. They condemned his house. He broke the rafters in the house, man. The floor was cracking, caving in. He had so much stuff. He couldn't get in through his doors and everything. He had to go upstairs through the window, slide in, try to get in his house. And they went downstairs, man. Them two by eights are splitting and cracking, man. They had to prop it up. They were afraid to go down there and try to help them clean it out. One person in their house flooded. They had so much mold down in the basement down there. No way life. Unbelievable. They weren't wanting to get rid of any of it either. I'm just talking about people get trained to live in such filth. And then you try to witness to them. You try to talk to them about what normal is. They got such a false reality of what normal is and what right is. Listen, this world don't know what right is. You say you need to do right. What's that? They're just doing whatever they want to do. Listen, the law of the jungle is out there everywhere. They're just fulfilling the lust of the flesh. And that to them, that's right. Right? To us, that's totally wrong. I mean, you tell them, you need to repent of what you've done wrong. I didn't do nothing wrong. They don't think hurting nobody, killing nobody, stealing. Steal is a way of life. Anybody ever watch that pineapple story? 
That pineapple story is great. The guys over there in New Guinea, man, they steal, 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 and they don't think they're doing wrong. They never heard nothing about it. And then he's got to try to convince them that stealing's wrong. And it didn't come until God had to reveal it to them. And God wound up revealing it to them, and through a long process before those people could ever realize what wrong was, then they got the message, of, oh, that's wrong. Now we see how. When God started judging them, and they all started getting sick, and they were stealing from God instead of the missionary. And they told the missionary, you get your pineapples back from God. We want to steal from you. We don't want to steal from him. <laughs> and he began to judge them. And all of a sudden, they began to understand. They associated pain, heartache, death, and problems with doing wrong. God had to teach them a hard lesson. But those people then never thought stealing was wrong. You know what God had to do to that Jew to convince them that idolatry was wrong? Boy, he had to hurt that Jew. That Jew who worshiped an idol, worshiping that gold calf. Amen. God broke my idolatry for the most part. Amen. I marvel. Listen, I, listen. set my affection on things above. I, I am so thankful that God gave me an opportunity. Colossians chapter number 3. I mean, I, I, I've, God's got my attention. And you know what? He can go get some people's attentions. And uh, they ain't listening. I dealt with a guy in jail. He spent nine months there. He, he knew more about the Bible than the average person I ever met. Spending nine months in there reading I said, Tim, you only got a couple little things. If I teach you a few little things, you can understand rightly divided. I said, your Bible will just blossom. Tried to help him get a job and everything else. He blew it. I mean, he blew it. Go back into jail. Him and his wife, man, I mean, they were renting his house. These kids took crayons, man. I mean, they, <laughs> they, they were making murals all over the place. I mean, man, it was just unbelievable. Some of the houses we went in and some of the ways these people lived. And he, he got domestic violence, had to go back in. I said, Tim. I said, man, if you don't change, you're going to be a lifer. Man, don't talk like that. I said, what are you going to do to change? I mean, how much do you got to lose to wake up? That man sitting right over here. Can't quit, man. He's started over 100 times, and he just can't kick it, man. What's it going to take to wake him up? He's done lost everything, done lost wives, done lost. He had three or four jobs making more than I ever made. Blew it. I mean, blew it. Had cabin on the lake and boats and everything. And he blew it. He wants love. And he blew it. Calls me up crying. One, two o'clock in the morning. Oh, pray for me. I'm drunk again. What's it going to take to get his attention? We had another guy sitting right here. Pops in every now and then. <laughs> He's done lost everything. Been in several different stints in prison. Mom and daddy's dead gone. His free meal ticket's gone. I don't know if his five lawsuits ever panned out. Last time I seen him, he needed a sandwich. And on his wedding day, he goes to Walmart, lays down in water in the bathroom, claim he slipped and fell so he can get another lawsuit on his wedding day. Showed up late for his wedding. Yeah, <laughs> didn't he miss it? Came in an hour late. His wife and everybody, I got a guest preacher here to marry him. You come in, man, I got to sue Walmart, man. He's more worried about suing Walmart than he was loving his wife. Unbelievable. That marriage is a... Pfft. He's complaining about his wife that he married, son stealing property, but then he's buying the stolen goods from her. <laughs> Man, that's a good deal. I'll give you 20 bucks for it. Okay. He's buying stolen property, but he's complaining they're stealing. 
What's it going to take to get their attention? They done lost everything. They're without everything. Ain't got nothing. Can't get their attention. I, I ain't never seen nothing like our day that we're living in. Amen? I don't want God to have to speak loud to me. I want to be able to hear that still, small voice. If you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your what? Not only does he want your attention, he wants your affection, your heart. Turn to Lamentations 3.51. Lamentations. You got Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. Lamentations is a picture of the Jew in the tribulation. It's a Jew that went into captivity, but it's also a dual application. Lamentations. Got a Cambridge Bible, it's 962. <laughs> 51. He's talking about looking at all the trouble that the Jews are in. Amen? If you go to chapter 1, Lamentations chapter 1, he says over there in verse 12, Is it nothing to you, all that pass by? Listen. They're, they're, they're in a mess. Verse 7, Jerusalem remembered in the days of her affliction and all her miseries and all her pleasant things that she had in the days of old when her people fell into the hand of the enemy. None did help her and the adversary saw and did mock at her sadness. I mean, listen, she lost everything. Verse 11, all her people sighed to seek bread. They have given their pleasant things up uh, meat have given pleasant things for me to relieve the soul, O see, and consider, because I am vile. Is it nothing to you, all you that pass by? Amen. Behold, uh, and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord has afflicted me in the days of his fierce anger. Amen. From above he has set fire into my bones, and it prevaileth against them. He hath spread a net for my feet. He hath turned me back. He hath made me desolate and faint all the day. The yoke of my transgression is bound by his hand. Amen. There read and come upon my neck. He hath made my strength to fall, and the Lord hath delivered me into their hands, from whom I am not able to rise up. Amen. The Lord hath trodden under my foot almighty men in the midst of me, and hath caused an assembly against me to crush my young men. Man, he's going through and he's talking about all the things that's happened to Israel and Jerusalem. Listen, and they're in, they're in great agony. And he says, is it nothing to you to all the pass by? He said, can't you lay it to your heart? Don't you see what's going on? Trying to get people's attention. And then look what he says in 351. Verse 49, my eye trickled down and ceaseth not without any intermission till the Lord looked look down and behold from heaven, mine eye what? Affected my heart because of all the daughters of my city. Listen, he was looking around and he said, you know what, I'm, I'm getting a good glimpse. And you know what that thing's doing? It's affecting my heart. And instead of us getting cold and callous and upset at sin and getting mad and mean at sin, it ought to break our heart and we ought to, ought to tenderize our heart. Job said, God maketh my heart soft. Amen. Because iniquity abounds, amen, the love of many wax cold. Our, cold, our hearts ought to be waxing warm because it ought to be breaking our heart. Amen. Chapter 4, verse 5. They that did feed delicately are desolate in the streets. They were brought up in scarlet and braced dunghills. 
Well, you talk about a rough day. You're living like kings, and next minute you're out there embracing the dunghill. My, my, my. Well, I tell you what, it ought to affect us. Colossians chapter number 3. The Colossians. God wants our attention. God wants our affection. Can I give you some? Let's go, let's go to, this will fit in, Psalm 33. God wants my affection. Brother Gabbard was here, and he preached on awe, standing in awe and sin not. He talked about being in all thy word. And then in this chapter here, amen, verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Amen. He's talking about the inhabitants of the world. He wants everybody to stand in awe of him. And I was going back over the passage, and I was studying the scriptures here and just meditating. God gave me a bunch of things while he preached. Verse 9, for he spake and it was done. He commanded and stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen and not. Thank you, Lord. Amen. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. Isn't that a blessing? He says, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. I wrote down there beside that. He's making himself known. God wants me to know his heart. And I begin to think as I spent time in prayer Friday night meditating on that scripture. I go, God, you want me to know your heart? He wants me to know the thoughts of his heart. Listen, he gave me the book to know his mind. But he gave me intercessory prayer to begin to know him. And he wants me to know the thoughts of his heart. Listen, a husband and a wife, they begin to communicate. They begin to know each other. They begin to know the thoughts of each other's heart. They must spend time to do so. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, Husbands, likewise husbands, dwell with your wife according to knowledge. I mean, he says, get to know or spend time with him. Listen, the only way we're ever going to get to know God and his thoughts of his heart is to spend time with him. Listen, God, I say it all the time, but God doesn't want me just to come to him as a vending machine. God knows all my requests. Most of all my praying is praying, Lord, so-and-so needs saved. God, so-and-so needs blessed. God, this preacher needs power. This preacher needs touch. God, these cities... It's always request. But how much is it personally inquiring of the Lord about Him and getting to know Him and getting intimate with Him? He showed me right here. I looked up, I looked up every word where heart shows up in the Bible. Very, very few ever come up about God's heart. Mostly it's man's heart. Man's heart's desperately wicked, deceitful above all things who can know it. You understand? But then he says over there, David was a man after what? He was after. He wanted God's heart. Do you want God's heart? I want God's heart. He said he wants his thoughts of his heart known to every generation. That means he wants it passed down. He wants people that have an intimate relationship. He wants to bestow affection upon me 
but he wants me to bestow affection on him. That's intimate love. I've seen that. I go, oh, my soul. Man, look at, look at that. I mean, that, that thing rocked me. He wants me to know the thoughts of his heart. And then it says, Blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he hath chosen for his what? You know what that is? He wants me. You ready? For his benefit. That's what we seek. When we seek a job, we're looking for benefit. What kind of benefit you got? The Bible says the Lord daily loadeth us with benefits. But he wants me to be one of his benefits. <laughs> he says, son, I want to benefit from you. You look at me as I'm a benefit? You're looking to me that you somehow can benefit from me? How can, how can you benefit from me? He said, I want you to be mine head. Didn't he tell them in the book of Numbers over there, Numbers 18, I believe it is, he said, Levites, I chose for mine. I'll be their inheritance. God said, hey, Levi, I'll be your inheritance. And the average person said, oh, yeah, big deal. God wants me. Okay, yeah, big deal. And God says, but I want you for my inheritance. Oh, Think about that. He looks at it as a benefit to him to come and spend time with him and love him and enjoy him and know him. Listen, there ain't a relationship on the world that will ever succeed if all you care about is having your needs met. If you're in a marriage and all you care about or you're in a relationship and all you care about is getting your needs fulfilled, you totally missed the relationship. The best relationships are when they give themselves to others and expect nothing else in return. And when you got two people willing to sacrifice and give of themselves, woo, he's pretty selfless. And if I could just get to where I'm selfless, I imagine our relationship kind of be out of this world. <laughs> huh? Eh? Verse 21. For our heart shall rejoice what? I wrote down beside my other verse, heart to heart. Heart to heart. My heart safely trusted him that I might get to know his heart. Heart to heart. They used to have a show on me years ago, heart to heart. The husband and wife uh, team. They were some kind of uh, detectives or something. I tell you what, I, I, like the, I like that, heart to heart. God just wants a heart to heart talk. God just wants a heart to heart walk. God wants us to walk with him. He, he, he brags on that. He said, God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. Right? Enoch walked with God and was not. God said, man, I ain't had nobody walk with me in a long time. Let's just come to my house. I just want to have fun. Noah walked with God. Abraham, God communed with him. He said, shall I hide this thing for Abraham what I'm about to do to Sodom and Gomorrah? And God went and met him in the tent and talked to him and revealed what he's going to do about Sodom and Gomorrah. 
Moses talked to God face to face as a friend does with friends. Listen, God's interested in somebody that just wants to spend time with you. Yes, the world needs reach with the gospel. Yes, the, uh, we need to be doing things in ministering. But God says, listen, I want you to know the thoughts of my heart. He wants our affection. And I'm I just think that if we really spend a lot of time just loving on him, there just ain't no telling. Amen. How much he'll just keep us from. <laughs> Amen. Verse 13, the Lord looked from heaven. Beholdeth all the who. See, there, there's a difference between sons of men and sons of God in your, your Bible. Sons of God were the angels down here in the Old Testament. The sons of men are sons of Adam. Amen. A lot of men are try to change that my uncle's friend got up and tried to change Genesis chapter number 6 about the sons of God coming in the daughters of men the sons of God over there were here before the sun or before the moon was I mean before the earth was created before the foundations was laid their sons of God rejoiced the sons of God came presenting himself before God and Satan came with them who were they those were angelic beings these are the sons of men God says he wants it sons of men, he says sons of men. He says sons of God, he means sons of God. Amen. We've got to pay attention to what we're reading. Verse 14, from the place of his habitation he was. He looked upon all the inhabitants of the earth. See there again, he's interested in everybody. He's looking at all the inhabitants. He fashioneth their hearts alike. He considereth all their works. There is no king saved by the multitude of a host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. The horse is a vain thing for safety, neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. For behold, the eye of the Lord is upon him that was. There you go. That, that, you, you want to just draw close to him. <laughs> just let your knees knock one against another and just, just like Belshazzar was and just trip and just follow your face. Oh, God, <laughs> I fear you. Amen. You can't fake that. God knows your heart. Upon them did hope in his mercy, thank you, Lord, to deliver their soul from death, amen, to keep them alive in famine. Look at that. You know what God showed me right there? Listen, I understand that we may have an economic collapse. I seen that right there. It's like God spoke to me and said, son, I can keep you alive in a famine. Things get bad, things get hard, I can keep you alive. I don't want to have my whole basement full of groceries. I probably ought to go out this check and pick up some extra things just in case, get us by a couple weeks, right? Probably nothing to be wrong with that. Have a little water and have something you can eat that's unperishable for a little bit, get you through, learn how to ration, eat a payday candy bar once a day or something. <laughs> Amen. You need something to eat to be able to get you through. You understand? But I'm just saying, uh, sometimes it might get hard here soon if, if the reports are out there and everything that everybody's saying about uh, China's currency and, and, and Russian currency and the Euro currency and American dollar falling. Everybody's predicting an economic crash coming up here soon. Everybody's talking about a new world currency. They've been threatening that since back in 30 years ago. Amen. And uh, I watched a video the other day of things that Nixon was saying. And the things that Nixon did back in the 70s that mess our problem up with China today. And he lied, he lied, he lied, which all presidents do. 
There's a lot of problems going on today that Nixon. That six-minute video was something else that man was talking. Amen. It ain't all Barack Obama's fault. Amen. And that, that housing market crash wasn't Bush's fault. It was stuff that Jimmy Carter and, and Bill Clinton got going. And Bush didn't help things. And things that Bush did ain't helping Obama. All these men are spreading the net for our feet. But you know what God showed me there? He said, I can keep you alive in a famine. <laughs> you know what I wrote down beside there? I said, a true prepper. Amen? True prepper. God take care. Our soul waiteth on the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our hearts shall rejoice in Him because we have trusted in His holy name. Let Thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in Thee. How much do you hope in Amen. What measure you sow, you'll reap. You sow much hope in them. You sow much faith in them. How much stock you put in God? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Basically, what stock you put in God, that's what you'll reap. You don't put much stock in God, you won't reap much. Amen. I, I'm putting a lot of stock in Him. Amen. Lord. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. My soul. You know what I need from God? I need mercy, amen, that runneth over, that never letteth up, amen, a never-ending well. I need mercy, amen. In James chapter 2, verse 13, he says, amen, mercy rejoiceth against judgment, amen. So to mercy, so to mercy, so to mercy. Why? I probably need boatloads of mercy from God. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Colossians chapter number 3. Well, I tell you what, it's just good. God wants our attention. God wants our affection. Number three, God wants our affirmation. Amen. So what is that? Colossians 3. Set your affections on things above, not on things earth. Verse 3, for... For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Amen. He wants us to affirm and confirm the death. He wants us to not only have it in our mind, but in our heart, that we reckon ourselves to be dead on the sin and allow God to come in and be our life. He wants us to affirm that constantly. He wants us to make that declaration, that statement, say, God, I'll reckon myself dead. I'll take Christ in Calvary. I'm willing to die, amen, to myself that you might live in me. I'm willing to give up my life that others may know you. Boy, that crucified life. You're dead, you're risen, and you're hid in him. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, amen, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Amen. Let me ask you, what kind of appearance you get to have? What kind of an appearance? He's going to appear. You're going to see him face to face. Woo! He liked that one, didn't he? Ah, he seconded his emotion. You're going to see him face to face. <laughs> he said, "Amen" from up above. Amen. I'm, Lord, I'd like to have control of that little lightning switch you got there. Amen. Wouldn't that be fun to have control of that? <laughs> Amen. Right around the cloud. Huh? Wouldn't that be neat, man? Oh, a gay parade. 
Watch this Gatling gun. <laughs> oh, man. I put on a show. I was in control of that. You know what he told them sons of thunder over there in uh, Luke chapter 9, don't you? You know not what spirit you're of. Amen. Amen. First John chapter number 3. He's going to appear. First John chapter number 3. He's going to appear, and I can't wait to appear with him. Amen. I'm going to be caught up. I'm going to appear with him. I'm going to be up there. First John chapter number 3. Let's back down. Chapter number 2. Chapter number 2, verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, you may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Listen, how how you gonna appear when he appears? You gonna have confidence? I'm not talking cockiness. Listen, if we spend our time and our days in prayer and we're on our face before him and we talk with him and we walk with him and we're trying to do what's right and follow him, why should we have to run and hide? Why can't we have confidence when we walk in? Right? Didn't he say we could have boldness? Come boldly before the throne of grace. If we spend our days coming boldly before the throne of grace and we keep short accounts with them as God convicts our hearts and works on our conscience for something that we said or something we did and we confess that thing and make it right and we, we make things right with everybody we know to be right with, why do we got to run and hide when the rapture happens? I know he's God. I know he's the Lord of glory. I know all men fall down on their face and fall as dead men in front of them. That ain't what he's talking about. He's talking about when you see him and you look him eyeball to eyeball, you shouldn't have to be shamefaced. You shouldn't have to be ashamed. Lord, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry I didn't go to church. I'm sorry I didn't read the Bible. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We don't want to be like that. Why do we want to be in his presence going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. If we just be doing what he told us, there's nothing to be sorry about. Chapter 4. Verse 17, herein is our love made what? Perfect, that we may have what? Boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we what? In this world. Verse 14, verse 13, hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love of God that he hath to us. God is love, and he, he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him herein is our love made perfect, that we may have what? Boldness in the day of judgment. Chapter number 3. Chapter number 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Every man that hath his hope purify himself, even as he is pure. So, he says, that will be like in Philippians chapter number 3. 
Philippians chapter number 3. When, we, when He appears, we're going to appear with Him. When He calls us up to the clouds, we're going to meet the Lord in the air. There's a grand appearance that we're going to make with Him. Amen? Some people say that ain't the rapture. Okay, well. Verse 21. Verse 20. Philippians 3.20. For our conversation is where? In heaven. It's not citizenship. It's dealing with conversation. Your manner of life. Amen? How you live will affect how you talk. And what you love is you'll talk about. Our conversation. From whence we also look for who? The Savior. Who? Lord Jesus Christ, where's he at? He's in heaven. And we're looking for him to come from where? And the last time they seen him go, and he was heading that way, wasn't he? Verse 21, who shall what? Change our vile body, and fashion it like unto his glorious body, according to, to the working whereby he's able to subdue all things unto himself. Listen, we're going to appear with him in glory. Amen. He's going to have glory and he's going to give us a glorified body. And you talk about glory. He said over there in 2 Corinthians 3.18, changes from glory to glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face when we see him and he gives us that glorified body and then he gives us the glory and then his glory's there. Listen, when he showed up on the Mount of Transfiguration, his countenance was brighter than the sun. You talk about glory. You talk about sensational. You talk about shining. And then when he puts the shine on us, Daniel chapter number 12 over there, he talks about the righteous shining. Man, I sure don't want to be no dimwit up there. <laughs> Hello, I want my light to shine. I mean, when I get up in the clouds, man, I want to shine. I'm going to be with him in glory. First John chapter number or first Peter chapter one. First Peter chapter one. We're talking about appearing. First Peter chapter number one. Verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again. There's being born again. How? Amen. Uh, again, unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith on a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Herein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, manifold. Verse 7 that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried to fire, might be found on the praise and honor and glory when? At the appearing of Jesus Christ. Amen. Whom have not seen you love, and whom though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Whom have not seen you love. 2 Timothy 4. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. We're talking about an appearing. Amen. He's going to make an appearance. <laughs> Verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ is to judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Amen. The quick, the living, he's going to judge at his appearing. 
and the dead he'll judge at the end of his kingdom. There is a judgment at the beginning of his kingdom, the nations, and then there's a judgment at the end of his kingdom, the great white throne. And during the tribulation, there's a judgment of the church. Verse 8, Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love what? How you, how you doing on his appearance? You know what? If you love his appearing, you're going to get a crown of righteousness. If you love your disappearing, you might not get it. <laughs> Titus, one, one page over. Be right. Book of Titus. Look, verse, chapter 2, verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we're all longing for. We can't wait for him to come and call us home. We get to meet him. And then there's a revelation. You got the rapture, but then you got the revelation. In Revelation 1, 7, the Bible said, Then every eye will see it. At the rapture, every eye don't see it. But at the second advent, every eye sees it. And they see him, they'll cry out to the rocks and the mountains and hills and say, Fall on us. Amen. They're going to want to hide from the face of him. Oh, my God. Can you imagine facing the line of the tribe of Judah? Can't even imagine I get to meet the Lamb of God. Then I'll get to saddle up with the line of the tribe of Judah. And I just can't imagine, amen, when he rides on that stallion and he steps out on the glory, and when that horse launches the roar that the line of the tribe of Judah will roar when he comes down through. Listen, they're going to hear thunder. I just can't imagine that, that cry. And then I can't, I can't imagine a billion converted souls falling behind them, yelling, Amen! Glory! Hallelujah! I just, I just can't imagine the praise and the shout that's going to roar through the universe as he, he steps out. And then how the air, listen, he's traveling faster than the speed of sound and the speed of light. And when you break the sound barrier, you got kaboom! I can't imagine when he comes down through the universe the kabooms that's going to happen. And then I can't imagine that that ball of fire he is going, that's preceding him and just roaring down through the galaxy. I, can't, I just can't imagine when he steps on Mount Sinai and that fireball just comes. I just can't, I can't even describe the word. And when he hangs a left over there up through Jordan and crosses the Jordan River and slams through the eastern gate, Amen. And that mountain cleaves when he steps his foot on the Mount of Olives and it cleaves from the east to the west. Amen. And a river begins to flow out from the north to the south. I can't even imagine what that's going to be like when the whole land of Edom and Edomia is set on fire and the, and the mouth of hell, the lake of fire is open to cast people into. My, so I can't, I can't even imagine his glory and his splendor. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians and I'm done. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1. Verse... Six, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Hallelujah. Amen. And you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord shall be what? Revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, comma, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Listen, we're going to appear with him in glory. And this is where he's going to have so much power, it's going to reflect even more glory. 
Just his appearance is glorious. I can't imagine his power. Talk about standing in awe. This, I love this verse. When he shall come to be glorified where? In his saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Can you imagine? Huh? He said, oh, you like that side? How about this side? How about this? People just going to be from every angle just admiring. Wow, what a Savior. What a Savior. Woo, what a God. I knew I believed the right one. Thank you for telling me about him. I'm glad I trusted him. Woo, thank you for faithfully declaring his righteousness, his glory, his goodness. I'm glad I believed. Amen. What a wonderful Savior. Hallelujah. I can't even imagine the praise that will be going on. Why? Because our testimony was believed. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a believable testimony? That'll preach. Do you have a believable testimony? Is your testimony about Jesus Christ believable? Can we see it? There are a lot of people scratching their heads and say, yeah, he said he's saved, but boy, he sure don't live it. I tell you what, there's a lot of that out there. Amen. Because our testimony among you was believed. Man, what a sermon. I might have to get something up on you. <laughs> Brother Nick, can you dismiss us in prayer, please?